I'm finally done, everyone. I finished my second novel, Board Games 2, the sequel to my first novel, Board Games, published in 2018. And we have a special perk for all the loyal subscribers to Sociology and Mogul Motivation. Go to TrueStoriesMedia.com and check out Board Games 2 and or Board Games if you haven't read the first installment. And type in BG2TRUE as the promo code. That's the letters BG, the numerical number 2, TRUE. And you will receive 10% off your order. Board Games 2 will be available worldwide October 4th. So don't forget to get your pre-order in ASAP because it ends September 3rd. BG2 True, the promo code for Board Games 2. You are now tuned into the Sociology Podcast. Sociology is a lifestyle brand that analyzes Chicago culture and connected topics abroad. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The South Side of Chicago is controlled by numbered streets. The lower the number, the further north you are, and the closer to downtown you are. For example, 8th Street. The higher the number, the further south you are, and the further away from downtown you are. Like 95th Street, you're nowhere near downtown. Within all of that geographical area, you have a portion called the low end. And that's what we're going to talk about this week on Sociology. Where does the low end begin? Where does it end? What was the culture like on the low end? And how the low end is drastically changing from what we used to know in the past to what it is now and going forward in the future due to gentrification and other high-end developments. So without further ado. So in y'all opinion, where does the low end begin? I believe it begins where the ickies are, which was what? 22nd in state, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would- it begins right there because you can't leave the low end you can't leave the ickies out of the low end first of all right. part of it mm-hmm. <laughs> right you agree Tom? Was, yeah no i definitely agree that it starts there um we always had a saying it was always like 47 to 22nd stay to the lake yep exactly so 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 it goes as far north as 22nd as far south as 47th mm-hmm. and then it goes as far west as state and as far east as lake that's that whole little bracket is the low end right there yeah right okay so i can't say um i'm from like 39th and princeton and claim the low end i think you're just a slight bit out of the territory <laughs> just princeton. just a little bit out of there just a little bit too <laughs> a bridge too far um okay okay so so in within that little bracket you know obviously bronzeville takes up a lot of that you know um yeah bronzeville takes up a lot of that um so like let's just work our way from the from the uh south end so we talking 47 so tone where'd you grow up at i grew up on 50th and woodline which is basically right at the cusp i kind of grew up in the area where the bigger houses, the change, the shift from, you know, the what we considered the low end mm-hmm. to high park. Mm-hmm. So I've had the argument plenty of times. Man, you grew up in high park, you didn't grow up in the low end. Oh. I mean, it all depends on, you know, who you're talking to and who where they were. Mm-hmm. So, so, so like, 
So they they were trying to say like you was like one of the uh middle class Negroes. That's what they were trying to say or something. Yeah, Not saying yeah, you yeah, weren't yeah. from the low end. <laughs> like they were trying right. to say, no, you ain't one of us. You know what I'm saying? But like, right. why does it, it fucking you know, matter though? Like you know, you still in and the fucking south side of the hood. Exactly. So I I got it on both ends. Like I admit, I did have a Russian neighbor. But, oh shit! Right, but at the same time, it was like. I'm still crossing this 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 line to go to school every day. Like from second grade to I want to say all the way through high school. Yeah, all the way through high school. And then on past that, I actually moved back there after, you know, I, I graduated from college and everything. You know, I came back. Right. But yeah, man, I, I crossed that line every day of my life. And where'd you uh, go to school at? I went to Martin Luther King College Preparatory. Okay. Okay. And it was that your neighborhood school or um or was it so Kenwood? It was Kenwood. And uh I mean I went to my my grammar school was literally a stone's throw away from Kenwood. My middle school was a stone's throw away from Kenwood, but Kenwood just wasn't for me. You know, mm-hmm. it was the it was the ball program at the time, though, you know. Hey, I love I love how you uh you said the full name of King. You ain't just say you went to King. You said the full name. You had to let it be known. Like that's that's hey, my school. Yeah, you know K I N G. We all we got, baby. <laughs> okay, so all right, so you you grew up on the cusp of the low end. So yeah, yeah. um, so we gonna we gonna revisit that. Um, ma'am, tell us where you went to school. I went to school at Dunbar Vocational Career Academy. Oh, I love these four names. Like, I love the I love the pride and joy in these CPS schools right now. Yes, yes. One of the best schools in the city, if you ask me. One of the Uh-oh. schools that's still standing. Like, let, Dunbar Pride is unmatched. Uh-oh. I'm going to let that one go on here. <laughs> Dunbar was cracking. I mean, we yeah, were no, the only schools sure. at the time that did not wear uniform. That was a big deal for us. Like, so we yeah. would be fashion we had some of the best workshops in the city mm-hmm. sure. um compared to like our biggest competition was uh, a school all the way like simeon <laughs> uh honestly because they were also a vocational school yeah but yeah and, uh, y'all got a lot of history at dunbar too a lot of history absolutely. a lot of famous uh, alumni absolutely mm-hmm. jennifer hudson was a big attendee and then jennifer hudson actually her aunt who trained her in vocal lessons was my music teacher as well Really? And she bragged on her a lot. We heard about, so we heard a lot of Jennifer Hustler history throughout the school. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Dunbar Pratt is just unmatched. I mean, how many schools you know that hold a like five block parade during their homecoming? That is true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we ain't talking you know, about the bud either. <laughs> right. Exactly. You exactly. Know, I, I can say that, you know, I, I commend Dunbar uh, as one of our rivals. And also one of the schools we we were at a lot, you know, being not too far down the street, mm-hmm. we were we were there for football camps. We the, the coach there is phenomenal, or he yeah. former uh, coach. I think he's. I don't think he's still there, but I'm not sure. I believe you're speaking of Coach Pat. Right. Yeah, I, sure. I don't know who Coach Pat is, but shout out to Coach Pat though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I took I took uh driver's ed there you know i was i was there a lot and it was a dope school it was just not as dope as king though huh at all 
Couldn't touch okay. him with a ten foot pole. Oh, oh, damn, damn, <laughs> damn. Okay, I had to throw that in there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> he said, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry." But um, yeah, you know, um, I think Mr. T went to Dunbar. Am I correct, Mr. T? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Mr. T went there. Um, Lou Rawls. Um, you know, yeah, y'all got a lot of yeah, yeah, y'all got a lot of uh famous alumni down there. Um, so yeah, so since you went to Dunbar, you was like on the low low end. You know what I'm saying? Thirty. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about some of your. Let's start out with like your adventure going to school because you said you grew up in Inglewood, right? Yes, I grew up on 59th and Laughlin. Um, yeah, you a long way from Dunbar. Well, not really. You, you know, not was, not a long way, long way, but you ain't but, around the corner. Eventually, either. it's a straight shot. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get to King Drive, it's straight shot down. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, the commute wasn't that bad. Um, because you know why? Because I got to pass a lot of other schools on my way, and it's just like you got to see the comparisons <laughs> along the way, and it's just like. Yeah. Ah. So on the King Drive bus, you we used to pass up the King kids when you get to 51st and then you pass up the, um, 47th West. What was the, uh, who was on 47th? I forgot at the time. Then you, of course, our biggest rival, um, our enemies, our arch enemies were, um, Phillips, Phillips at the time. Yep. Yeah. Those Phillips versus Dunbar fights were crazy. <laughs> historical. Crazy. So tell tell us about a, tell us about a, uh, Phillips Dunbar fight that you witnessed on the low end. Oh, you know what? It got to the point where the police had to uh, um, stand on 35th and King Drive. So 35th and King Drive was the battle zone. Right. Like, because, you know, we traveled from 30th and they were traveling from 39th. It was literally an even shot between both schools. So 35th was the meeting zone. Like, if you had a beef, if you had a problem, meet it on 35th. That's where you met at. Yeah, that's what you met at. And that's where everyone boxed it out at. And, you know, there is not one specific occurrence that I can speak on because it happens almost every day that was the one thing you look forward to it got so bad you look forward that, to it <laughs> <laughs> no seriously it's like that was the after school thing you know so when you don't feel like going to straight home hopping straight on the bus you literally walk to 35th just for the entertainment um everyone would just stand around waiting on something to go down <laughs> it was crazy yeah. yeah 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 you know um i had so like i don't know if it was like a phillips dunbar thing but i can tell you right now i saw it go down in that parking lot of that white castle one time like I'm talking about going down. I'm talking about book bags flying and shit. Like I'm like, damn. <laughs> like, is it that deep? Is it, it that deep point, right now? But uh, the police will build like a barricade, like right on like 33rd, or they would stop us from reaching 35th. They would be like between 33rd, 34th, or and um surrounding 35th, stopping us from meeting at that point. And it got to the point where Phillips uh actually changed their um in time like we were getting out at like 2 30 p.m i believe they were getting out just maybe a couple minutes before us maybe 15 minutes so they would try to clear out each school before we had that uh time to even meet but you know you have to understand that a lot of our students lived on 39 so right. that didn't help right. much <laughs> right right in those right. areas where they have to walk there anyway so it's like yeah it was yeah. <laughs> there was no yeah. getting away from that. we was would like, try oh. and make it down there because you know with them being where they were and us being on 44th and Drexel, you know, if we heard something through the grapevine, it was like, all right, we all going to take a trip up there just to, you know, be in the scene. Mm-hmm. And that's the way the low end was, honestly. Mm-hmm. With, I mean, we had a lot of high schools down there. We had Hills. We had... You got DuSable. DuSable. Yeah, uh, yeah. Dunbar. Bronze. You got Bronzeville now. 
the uh, military. Right. Yeah, you got them. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, they down. They were. They down I now. don't think they were around when I was around that much. I think they were like still kind of fresh. Okay. So they were just like in and out kids, you know. Like yeah, yeah, they went yeah. to school, they went home. But yeah, yeah you know, what made with, more intense that sorry, cut you off tone. What made things more intense that Dunbar was you you had the school rivals like 39. Then you also had the buildings that were in rivalries. You had the Ickies versus the Wells, or of course, Dillard versus such and such. You had all of that going on as well. So those things that were uh probably ignite at home would just lash out on campus. Right. So that was another thing that kept the fights and the entertainment boiling <laughs> at an entertaining point. And hey, you know, since, since you mentioned the whales, um, rest in peace to the whales. Uh, now it's a, it's a whole ass Mariano's. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a, a, you know, you got, you got, you know, white people walking their dogs, jogging, you know, it's a whole bank over there. Well, they finna build some condos. You. Like it's, it's a whole night and day over there. You know what I'm saying? That it's whole 39th at King Drive strip, it's just night and day. Exactly. You know what? It's crazy because I attended Dunbar. Um, I started in 2007. In 2007, the buildings were still standing. They had cleared them out and they were ready um, to be torn down, yeah. but they were still standing. By 2011, my graduating year, they, they had torn down the buildings and had half of uh, what is now Oakwood Shores built up, which are like nice condos yeah. that most of the area. And all yeah. within the four-year span that had happened. Yeah, you know, that was, like, around a time where, like, the city was on a timeline. And I feel like Mayor Daly was trying to get them all down by the time he left office because the nigga knew he wanted to leave office around 2011. You know, um, he knew before he made the announcement he wasn't running. Let's just be real. So I think the timeline was to have every single project development down because you know the state rate gardens they got rid of those as well over there on mm-hmm. state street you know what i'm saying um off state street and 35th they got rid of those as well which are now uh townhomes and all of that so i think yeah they was on a time schedule with that you know what i'm saying they was like let's right. get these up out of here because we trying to you know start fresh with a new all that shit you yeah. know but it, it's crazy because like um before we started recording i had mentioned my grandmother, she lived on 33rd and Prairie. So even though I didn't grow up in the low end Bronzeville area, whatever you want to you refer to it as. Yeah, I got a little bit of it in my blood. So I was real familiar with the area myself. And it's just like to see what it is now versus back then. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a vacant lot across the street from my grandmother's um, apartment building mm-hmm. all my life. Now it's like 600 thousand dollar condo i mean not condos but townhomes over there i'm like damn you know what i'm saying and then like we could you mentioned hell's uh tone we can go back up to cottage like you know where that whole walmart is at i remember it was nothing but a vacant lot and a liquor store you know what i'm saying now it's a whole walmart you know got the condos it's like you know how do y'all feel about that like do y'all like the fact that the low end is being revitalized or do y'all just see gentrification all over the place you want to go? Go ahead. <laughs> I got something to say. I'm half and half with that. Because I, I want, like, okay, if the intentions of gentrification was to just simply better the neighborhood and not to kick out those who literally grew up there, who, gener- like, generations of families grew up throughout the Wells, throughout the Ickies, throughout the Dearborns, you know, the, and the low-end people take great pride in their neighborhoods. So for me, I didn't like it because a lot of my friends who grew up there never got the return. 
Mm. And so that mm. was heartbreaking because, you know, these people had to leave an area that was so close to their heart. And that that's the part you didn't like. But at the same time, come on, let's be honest, the violence was crazy. <laughs> yeah, very, like all the violence bad. that you see spread it about the city of Chicago now, let's be honest, a lot of that was in those areas, particularly back in the day. You saw a lot of that, in my opinion, you guys can disagree, but in my opinion, a lot of the violence that we see across, spread across the city happened mostly in those areas. And we can't applaud that. We can't be, we can't just deny that that was just a good, I mean, that was a great thing. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, that's why I said I'm half and half on that. Mm -hmm. half because a lot of people were stripped from their childhood homes, stripped from their area that they grew up in. But at the same time, was it, I don't know. It's, it's, it seems like no. It's, these are your these are your transparent feelings, so it's no you right. Know, right or wrong. But it, it seems like you hate it because the people who live there aren't getting the benefit. They aren't the ones that's um you know reaping the profits of this. They aren't the ones that's really that has their hand in you know the community being changed. It yeah. sounds like that's where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, yeah. uh, which you know it. It is frustrating, you know what I'm saying? Because redlining is real. The practice of, you know, preventing uh, Black Americans, you know, to not only own property, but, you know, to devalue their property and to intentionally, you know, devalue their communities. That's real. Redlining was real, you know. So these systems and laws were in place that created a lot of these problems where people who lived in their homes for generations got pushed out one way or another so your feelings are valid there you know they're valid mm -hmm. so uh as a border child um i got a lot of different experiences so with always being on the low end always you know all my friends were from the low end all of you know all of their family stayed there i I do understand with the whole, you know, it's a pain that everybody had to leave. I am just sad that the turnaround was so fast and unsaid mm -hmm. because, you know, me and me and Tamika came out right, right around the same time. I went into high school in 2006, came out in 2010 and I tried to come back and get a piece of that. And it was just nothing available. Mm -hmm. It seemed like so many people, like all of the, the grandmothers and mothers and families that own those, you know, those townhouses, condos, stuff like that, that or before they were considered condos. Uh, all of the people that own that stuff down there, you know, they just were... I don't, I don't like to say pushed out. I think they were, you know, it was an incentive to it. And, you know, people who are up against, have been up against it forever down there, you know, like it's buildings down there. Like I had a friend whose family owned the townhouse for it was a, a brickfront townhouse and they owned it forever. And all of mm -hmm. a sudden they were just like bought out and for probably hey, pennies on a dollar of what, you know. In comparison to what we have today. Right. And I was upset when I came back because I was like, 
man, don't I want to buy one of these townhouses or just a piece of property there to renovate. Yeah. And I, I tried my hardest to actually get in and there was nothing. And my, my thing has always been, so as a, a border kid, I knew it was coming because you would have those high park people who one were tired of having to travel through that to get to downtown mm-hmm. and they didn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And then two, they were tired of having to travel to downtown to get to things that they, you know, they liked, yeah. you know, and, and that stretch, it, it includes now where we are now, that stretch includes past High Park into, you know, the seventies of cottage and, it, it, these areas like they literally built some place for these people to just come back to like I always said me and my dad always said like yeah they're getting ready to build this for the you know the people that mm-hmm. you know were in the Orland parks and the 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 far out suburbs that wanted the city back yep yep they wanted and it I back. think that's what it was yeah I, yeah I really believe that it was because these people wanted their city back. They want to be, you know, because they all work downtown. They all, you know, frequent downtown. They all love going, you know, shopping and all of that other stuff. And I think that's what it was. Like, it was frightening to see how fast it went. Yeah. It did happen I, fast. Um, and Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, and um, I like that twist that you mentioned redlining, because I think that's one that we should put emphasis on redlining had I in my opinion had a lot to do with it because I mm-hmm. mean let's talk about redlining though there were for me it's in my opinion there were the standards that were set by the federal government I like to blame everything on government I'm one of those people but mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. uh with that well, what was carried out by that you had banks that would uh particularly label us predominantly black or color people people of color per se um as risky or unfit for um investments we were denied loans we were denied banks we were denied everything that could have given us the chance to put money back into our neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and revamp everything and bring it back to life correct makes it even more frustrating that we also were denied the chances to keep our neighborhoods and make them better for ourselves so that's the part that becomes frustrating because it's like you, you guys didn't even give us a chance. It was just you pushed us out the way to make room for who you felt was would value the neighborhood better. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's exactly what happened, you know. And that's why you had uh black bankers like a Jesse Binger, right? Um, you know, a lot of people might not never heard of him, but he was a black banker that actually, you know, operated down on the low end in Bronzeville on 35th and State Street. That's where his bank was. And you had you had um him issuing mortgages to black americans in that area when other white banks wouldn't do it mm-hmm. um you know and is is this is the reality that a lot of people don't want to accept you know especially uh not just black people but white people too you know white people don't want to accept this but redlining was extremely real it was extremely real and and they would use fear tactics you know they as in bankers and um you know uh policy makers would use fear tactics to instill fear in white residents to mm-hmm. sell their homes and their property, right flight. right flight, and get the hell up out of there, right? <laughs> and then they will start to devalue the property once more Black people moved in. And how would they devalue it? They will not give them the same public resources that white neighborhoods would get. And then they right. will suck them dry with food deserts and, you know, resource deserts. They wouldn't give the schools the same textbooks and, you know, facilities that they would give 
schools in white neighborhoods. And then when you have generation after generation of that, that's what brings you to the violence that's going on in the Stateway Gardens, right? The ickies, the whales, that's what happens. And then years later, they be like, oh, this is prime real estate. We need that. Right. <laughs> we, okay. we need that back. We need that those brownstone buildings between um like 30th and King Drive and 35th are some of the most beautiful buildings amazing in the city. They are amazing inside and out, and they're so slept on. And those were the buildings that our people could hardly had access to, which is sad. Right. They yeah. they held on to the ones that were worth something. All exactly. of the 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 you know, I mean, I know right now it is hot for people that want three flats you know, six unit apartments, stuff like that. But those were the rundown ones. Those are the ones that the, the, the face brick was falling apart and I'm in construction. I know how it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, those brownstones, those were taken care of in a whole nother way because they were yeah. built to be like that. Mm. You know, like, and it's just, I mean, it's frightening because I have this conversation with my wife all the time and this is just a prime example of where do we go like (laughs) where can where can you know people of color who want better things and I get a lot of slack for this because you know as I'm transitioning from you know the a guy who came up with you know we my family did okay Mm -hmm. We, we did, you know, fine. They raised us, they raised me and my sister well. You know, we weren't, you know, a part of too much of, we weren't a part of the violence. I don't want to say too much because that sounds bad. We weren't <laughs> a part of the violence on the low end. But, you know, we were kids still at the end of the day. So we did get involved in stuff. Disclaimer. But, um, of course. yeah, I, I, mean, I, I just, know, I don't know where course. people of color can take their kid like where can we take our kids like we are those people now you know we have to think about that and it's scary to see what's going to happen to schools like Dunbar and King wow because now they're surrounded by white neighborhoods those are prominent black schools I mean yeah yeah. it is what it is we got to say it like that like those are state like staples in those communities and what are we going to do with them Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. When the University of Chicago and uh, McCormick Place area, you know, and they're doing a huge, huge. They're about to take over Twenty Second. McCormick they're, Place. They're built. Yeah, McCormick Place has a huge budget getting ready to drop. Mm. Mm. I know about that. Yeah, yeah, and then you know it, it's. It's so many things that, you know, it's just pushing us further and further. And yeah, we got the South Hollands. We got the Country Club Hills, but they're still putting, you know, Section 8 out there and they're putting people like I'm just I'm one of those people that's in between. You know, I hate the fact that, you know, white people, I don't like to say it like that because I'm. No, I mean, be candid, be candid, right. you know, you know, it's a so, safe place. Ain't that what they say these days? Okay. It's a safe okay, place. cool. So I, I can talk. All right. So it, it's scary that white people are getting all they want. And then black people aren't requiring what we need. Yeah. Like and, and, and that's just the way you got to put it, because it's like, I'm afraid for my kids, mm. you know, because no, I don't, I had, I had a, a coworker of mine. 
and he lived in the Morgan Park area. Not he lived in the Beverly area, but his son commuted to the Morgan Park area. Um, he was at Morgan Park Academy, not you know our yeah, standard yeah, yeah. more black. Yeah, Morgan I got Park. you. I got you. Right. He said that his son, his son plays baseball. I play baseball. That's nothing wrong with that. Uh, he said that his son, before putting his hat on, do you know how like white people kind of like brush their hair back, like put their you know, yeah, their yeah, 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 <laughs> like push their little, they little golden yeah. boy. <laughs> right. He said his son did it, mm. and he said he had no idea where his son got. I mean, of course he he has to know because his son doesn't have any hair. Mm. His son doesn't have hair like like he has like you know this normal. Uh, foam curled afro wasn't required wasn't in his face not whatsoever but like these are the influences like if you put them around white people we get that type of thing we take our culture we take our roots we take all of the the things that you know make us us we take it from them if we put them in those types of neighborhoods but if we put them in what neighborhoods we grew up in and i think with the kids these days man like i don't see the kids these days making it the way we made it and that's it's just a miracle to see a lot of the people around me mm-hmm. you know a lot of my peers that are doing so well you know and not a product of what they came from you know uh not to cut you off. Are you 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 familiar? Oh, yeah. I'm sure because you say you're in construction. You're familiar mm-hmm. with the uh that development that's about to happen on the Michael Reese old site, right? And for those of you who don't know what Michael Reese is, that's an old hospital that used to be on the low end as well. Just with Mercy, mm-hmm. they just closed Mercy down too. But you familiar mm-hmm. with that development that's about to happen? I've heard, you know, more the construction side of it. I haven't mm-hmm. heard more the political side of it. Because you know, um, the grand census is that ain't for black folk. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's got like, a lot of money at that. Yeah, a lot of money. Like, I ain't, I forgot what the figures said, but they, it's millions that they put a pump, yeah. in, pump into that. And you look at the renderings, like, is, and you know, they got black people in the renderings, you know, got a, you know, diversity and inclusion, right? That's what the, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the standard. But yeah, like a lot of people are saying that's going to push us even further south, you know, because yeah. like, let's just be real, G- gentrification is not done on the no. low yet. It's not done. You know, no, they and thought I, I they was gonna push black people what the out. High schools are. Yeah, 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 yeah. They thought they was gonna push us out uh, even quicker than you know what what is taken. So they're like, oh, right. we gotta do a little bit more. That's what the consensus is that a lot of people believe. Yeah, I wanted to mention how I feel like um, during my times in Dunbar, I start to see how Dunbar was kind of sort of benefiting from that. Um, beginning of trans- gentrification at the time. Mm-hmm. And I only say this because I remember there was a time uh, up to my last year, um, they did a shakeup. Now schools were being shut down left and right. I believe mm-hmm. diet was like number one on the list to be shut down next. And you had Dusabu that had went through a major change. You know, they were doing yeah. some shaking up around schools. But I believe because the, Dunbar was that school that was like right there in the middle of the transition that they had to keep some sort of school open um, as the neighborhood high school, you know? Right, yeah. right. I started to see uh, some sort of reform in the school. You know, um, they had got, a, we had got a new principal. Her name was Miss Covington. And Miss Covington came from her old school and she brought, I want to say 50 plus students with her that had GPAs of 3.0 or better. 
And with that, of course, now she she's bringing on this um this new thing where we're seeing it and hiding in the GPA in the academic and the scholastics overall uh, of the school. And then also the um you know this was we were a big fighting school by my senior year I could say it was a pretty it was getting pretty boring because all of the troublemakers who we loved that entertained us so much were being kicked out left and right there were no more ten day suspensions like they used to do it was one no. fight you're done you're kicked out you're sent to uh what they would call alternative school which was over on state somewhere twenty ninth and state mm-hmm. and that was it so you start to see like how instead of them threatening to shut us down they started to try to put more into us and in reform school over raw so i mm. feel like they kind of tried to dunbar kind of benefited from and it's still open today from my understanding my 10 year yeah, it's still there yeah, it's still there. Mm-hmm. yeah and they're still prospering yeah. so i feel like not all not all schools suffered from this right. some people to be that's an interesting perspective because i know uh the the junior high elementary schools uh douglas and doolittle they ain't cps no more are they um Ooh. if if you're I'm familiar not- that's a good question. I know Doolittle isn't. Um, well, I don't want to go on record if I don't if I ain't one hundred percent. But I'm I'm certain that Doolittle isn't, and I feel like Douglas isn't either. Down there on Thirty Third and King, or what is it, Thirty Third and Giles, or something like that. Um, right. Yeah, I feel I've like they. Been. Yeah, yeah, I feel like those ain't CPS no more either. Um, but you know, so it's kind of like they was getting rid of the feeder schools, you know, mm-hmm. in a sense, and it's like you know, um. But that's an interesting perspective, though, especially because you're a student. You know, somebody like me on the outside wouldn't know. You know, uh, somebody like me wouldn't know that. Um, Albert, you got something to say about that? Well, uh, yeah. So, um, what's good, everyone? Um, so, I have a little bit different perspective from how everyone else was coming, and it's kind of, it's almost like the complete opposite. So now I do live in Bronzeville, but I grew up, I grew up in the south suburbs. You know. Um, and growing up in the South suburbs, when they got to a certain point, it seemed like all of the city kids were moving out to the South suburbs mm-hmm. and, and which today, a lot of them still are hell. The, some of the friends that I've met, you know, as an adult now that grew up going to Dunbar and grew up, you know, uh, diet, all these other schools. Now they're talking about, well, I'm moving out to Lansing, bro. I'm moving mm-hmm. out here and I'm like, bro, I will never move out there. Like I will never ever move out to the burbs. So <laughs> it's like, so it's like almost like the complete opposite um, of what kind of what some of you guys are talking about. And uh, the gentleman made a point earlier. Uh, what was he saying? He was saying something about, um, I, oh, so I was, I was also thinking, and just one of my points was, I almost feel like our, 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 are they really taking these neighborhoods away from us Mm-mm. or are we kind of giving it away? Yeah. Cause I feel like, you know, a lot of the times, yes, I will absolutely say yes. Um, the housing market is crazy. I, I want to move to Texas every week. Right. But I also know is like, if I move, I'm doing what they want me to do. And the market is going to be the market, you know? So if I'm going to go to the burbs and purchase something, or just stay in the city, people are, I mean, black folks can buy a a $400,000 crib too. I understand we don't want to, but we can. So I I, I don't like to do the excuse or just say like, oh, they're pushing us out. It's like, no, we can, we make money now too. We can Mm -hmm. afford some of this stuff too, but 
we don't like to, we like to look at our money and make it make sense. And, um, and I think that's kind of, you know, why, why a lot of us move out. But I, I think honestly, we can afford some of this stuff. Like we just don't want to pay what we're paying. People want to grow up with, you know, a big backyard now. People want to have, you know, where their kids can go outside. And so maybe that's what it is. But I mean, I don't know if they're really pushing us out more so than we just want to leave and we're giving it to them. I think that, I, I don't know why, I guess, you know, money in front of you looks better than money in the long run. And I think that's one of the problems that our community kind of has is the fast money and the, 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 the whatever risk it comes at, they'll take it a lot of the times. You know, I've, I've seen people who like being in High Park, I've, I, I didn't know people that parents were dirty rich. Black people, parents were dirty rich, but it was the fast money that drew them into doing stuff that they weren't supposed to be doing. And I think that that just really hinders our community in general. And the fact that, you know, white people made it look good for you to be able to move out to, like you were saying, Lansing and things like that and not have to be in these, you know, in, in the tiny apartments where it was you, your cousin, your auntie, you know, grandma's still there, all of that stuff. Like we can, they, they, they felt like they had an opportunity and it's just what the face value versus what the long term was to me. I'm not, um, I'm not in real estate or construction or none of that, but I would just like to know how many black developers had the opportunity or the um, was presented the opportunity to build 600k townhomes on a vacant lot. That's all I want to know because them motherfuckers ain't exist when I was a kid, and now they all right. over the goddamn place. And I call because I'm nosy. But I like to, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I'm a fake investigative reporter. I call, and you know, I was doing some research. I'm like, oh, these these motherfuckers, they they Italian Italian. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, you know, yeah, that's just how I see it. But like, you know, so the low end as we know it, obviously, like we said, today in 2021 ain't the same as it was in 2001. You know, uh right. granted ain't the same as it was in 2011. Um, but you know. What what's what's some of your favorite moments as far as like the low end? Like is you know eating like like some of your favorite places to eat? You know what I'm saying? Kick it like what? Let, let's 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 end it on a high note. What's some of your best moments from the low end, and how do you see the low end going in the future? You can go ahead first, ladies first. Uh, the low end for me is where I well. I spent most of my high school days down there. So I have like this puppy love, love for the low end. That was when I, literally I found my first love there. Oh. The uh, first high school sweetheart, all of that. Booze so, in Bronzeville. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you know, this, this a couple of um, seven grade lunch periods, this school a couple of times just to go meet someone over in the buildings. This is the only reason I'm familiar with the buildings or uh, the wells as they, uh, as it's properly named. But, um, I can say, I, Baba's on 39th, <laughs> which unfortunately is no longer standing. I think it burned down the, uh, a couple of years ago. Damn, cold world. <laughs> I know, right? Right on 39th and King Drive. But um, 
honestly, I miss the culture overall. Like they were really unified, believe it or not. Like, I mean, they had their scruffles, but at the same time, they were real family. Like it was like meeting up in Mandrake Park, watching everyone who sitting in the park, chilling. They used to do the um, low end picnics. Oh, those were my favorites. The um, Wells picnic over in the mm. park. Yeah, I remember those. I remember those. Yeah, like good times. It was almost like how we used to do the Western uh, alumni picnic. Mm. like over in that neighborhood so i those are some of my favorite memories personally okay okay what about you uh graduate of king no wait correct me what's the full name of the high school say it again martin luther king junior college preparatory there it is all right all right um i mean i get everything she's saying although we didn't have bye bye we had goldens <laughs> goldens was on 43rd and cottage and, you know, that was an everyday walk. Like, that was literally a block away from the school. And, you know, I also like us being lake babies. Like, ditch days were crazy. Oh, God. Crazy. I being able to go that. to the lake. <laughs> uh, everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Ditching to go to the lake all the time. Like, sometimes I feel like we were like, a, you know, a, a white movie <laughs> you know how the kids they always go out there's bueller lake, days off yeah type shit you know so like just just the atmosphere and it was like the community knew who you were just yeah. from you being at school down there like I, it was it was awesome you have even though he was like a local even though we did have local junkies, they knew like, oh, I was cool today. Like they they would ask those type of questions. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like just from seeing you commute somewhere and seeing them in the same place for years, good yeah. and a bad thing, whatever. But it still was the fact that, you know, like she was saying, it was like a family thing. On the low end, it, it, our hands stretched far and wide. All those high schools that we just named off, we all had homies and we were all cool. I mean, yeah, yeah we had fights, but you fight with family, you fight with friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I used to like, I used to ride my bike, you know what I'm saying, down to like up and down Giles, you know, uh, Prairie, you know what I'm saying? Like I would go like as far south to like, shit, I was out here. Like I was going like 39th. You know oh, what I'm yeah, saying? Was yeah, I was wilding. I was wilding. You know, then I go to like, you know, the big park over there on 31st. You know what I'm saying? What's that? What's it? Dunbar Park or something? I guess the name of it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I go to that part, you know, all by myself. You know what I'm saying? And But I would only know the territory because I would walk around with my uncle. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I yeah. felt so safe back then, though. That's the crazy thing about it. Like, yeah. I felt so safe as a motherfucking 10, 11 year old kid doing all of yeah. that back then bro i'm not gonna be riding my bike around <laughs> you know what i'm saying like around the, the neighborhood like that as a 33 bro. i'm just not gonna do it you know so it's, that's it's, what's funny about that's what's so like funny the about city it. really like i my grandmother grew up well my grandmother lived in the cirque uh okay. all my life she's still there to this day and my grandma you know her and my grandfather and when I tell you I was at Grand Cross, I mean, not to take it too far out, but that was just my, you know, my experience like yours. I walk up and down the street and, 
you know, I'm Lil Kenny, you know, I, my grandfather, you know, everybody respected, had a certain level of respect back then. And, and that's what's scary about all these communities because we literally like were able to go where we wanted, do what we wanted, walk up and down the street yeah. without a worry. Yeah. Yeah. And we all saw that deteriorate in front of us, just like as we were crossing into adulthood, as we was in college, you know, away from home, like you would hear stories like yeah. that whole um that whole situation with uh what is her name? The girl that was shot in uh in behind King. Um I know it's I, I forgot her name. I know her name any other time because I knew the little girl. Oh, but wow. yeah, I, I mean, not knew her like that, but you know, she was no, I got you. on the flag team or whatever. And I played football and she was there at the very beginning. I well, she was there at the very end of my career at high school or my high school career. And I also knew the guy who was a driver, you know what I'm saying? And they went to high school together mm. and it wasn't an intentional thing. And it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, are you talking about the Hadaya Pendleton? Hadia Pendleton. Hadia, yes. Hadia, Hadia. I said yes. Hadia. Hadia. Got it. Yes. Okay. And and people not knowing outside looking in, you know, because it, it still hurts our community. I mean, you know, it hurts our community. It hurts our people. It hurt a lot of people that came. And I know a lot of people were sad about that. Yeah. And it was just, you know, a, a true incident of young people growing up too fast. Yeah. Yeah. The driver and the shooter were young too at the time, you know? And they just grew up way too fast doing stuff like that. Like you yeah. driving around and you happen to stop and see somebody that you beefing with. And like Tamika was saying, back in our day, we go meet up on King Drive and we just scrap it out. Exactly. But, yeah. Right. But yeah, the old school they way. riding around. <laughs> they ain't doing that no more. Exactly. Right. And that was a, that was that's that's probably one of the biggest, you know, that was when I felt like the complete change happened because that's when it, it got close to me. You know, you don't really realize stuff until it gets close to you. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's yeah. Oh, sorry. I don't think we can um, leave the low end story without mentioning the infamous mansion on 45th in Michigan. Well, Man. So all this parties ever held. <laughs> Let's not end this episode without talking about yes. the or at least yeah. mentioning it. Yeah, right. no, you're right. It's, and there's a lot of things that we haven't mentioned on this right. episode. And that was kind of intentional because it will be a more specific Bronzeville episode in the near future. Okay. Um, um, so, but you know, that's that's what's up, you know. Definitely, you know, the mansion. Um, like I mentioned earlier, the Binga Bank. Uh, you know, yeah. if we want to talk about games, we could talk about the fort that was down there, you know. Um, there's yeah. so many things oh, yeah, in Bronzeville. Yeah. So many landmarks in Bronzeville, the low end that we have yet to dive into, you know, John right. H. Johnson, all that. But we're going to get to that. Um, we're going <laughs> to get to that real soon. I'm just happy that White Castle down there on 35th is still there. It's still you kicking know, it. Thank the Lord. Yeah, pop, Popeye. Oh, yeah, Popeye's and went nowhere, man. Slow as hell. Slow as, slow as hell. I don't go there no more. They slow as shit. <laughs> but, you know, um, but uh, real quick, I want to ask Al, um, what made you move to the low end? So you said you grew up in the burbs. What made you, what was the allure that brought you to the low end? My bad, I was trying to unmute this. Um, so a couple of things. So 
my family always my 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 brother's godfather they lived somewhere off of 46th and something i was a kid kid so and he was eight years old so i don't exactly remember where they were but i also used to go to this daycare right on 45th and wabash i think that is or 45th in Michigan. I think it's 45th in Michigan. Okay. And um, when I was a shorty. And so after I graduated from high school, I went straight down to Mississippi. I went to HBCU, Russ College. But when I so when I came back home, it was no way I wanted to stay in the birds. Like, I'm like, I cannot do it. Um, I just happened to run into one of my guys and he was like, yo, I stay over here on 39th and Cottage. And then I was like, all right, you know, I'm gonna check it out. You know what I'm saying? And that was my first time living as an adult, not on the college campus, but away from the crib. So it was a wrap. It was done. It was I'm like, with. oh, it was, yeah. I'm what, 15 minutes from the club? You know what I'm saying? Mm. The shrine. Oh. Yeah, man. <laughs> Come on, man. So, and we used to have all the parties at our crib. We used to go out, Red No Five, do this. I mean, we would go out sun Sunday nights, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. And stay home Saturday night to watch the wire. So it was just like that. That's where I just fell in love with just being close to everything. And then you know, um, it, it, just, it just I just fell in love with it. And all my people, all my guys. I started meeting. I played flag football, hooping a little bit, and I'm meeting these guys. And well, it's like, a lot of flag football cool. down there. A lot of flag yeah, football yeah. on the low end. So everybody big. just was cool. Everyone, you know. And then they'd be telling me these stories, and it sounds like. They were just bad as hell, but I love that shit. I was like the little cousin that had to go home on the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and I get to kick it with my big cousin on the week. That's how I felt. Like when I'm listening yeah. to their stories, I'm like, yo, I know I would have been in trouble like a motherfucker. And then my mom would have been like, boy, you coming home on Monday. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what have been it. But that, you know what I'm saying? So I fell in love with Bronzeville and now I can't get enough with it. I done, I done moved around Bronzeville from 39th to 40th, well, 46, I almost remember every address, 3839 South Cottage. Um, I moved to 4016 uh, South King Drive. Mm -hmm. I moved to uh, 350, it was it 346 East 46th place between Vincennes and St. Lawrence. Okay. And now I'm on 47th. Don't, 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 don't say where you at now. Well, I'm on 47th in Champlain. You can't. Oh, okay. Can't all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. All right. It's a long right. block. It's a long block. Oh, hey, that block is long for real. Yeah. St. Lawrence, Champlain, them motherfucking blocks is long as hell. Like, yeah. So it should be an Olympic now, sport running them blocks. Yeah. <laughs> so I love it over here. So that's what if you enjoyed this podcast, I ask for two things. Number one, leave a five-star review. And number two, pass it on to a friend who may enjoy it as well. And don't forget to subscribe to our other podcast, Mogul Motivation, from True Stories Media.